Well, a Friday afternoon pod is certainly needed on uh, this July 30th. Kevin Bowen, Brendan King back in studio here, Kevin's Corner. Uh, full transparency, we were planning to have this, a Friday afternoon pod. feel like uh, just three-ish days into camp. Be good to recap what we've seen so far in the practice field. And then when uh, the Carson Wentz news developed like it did today, a pod was an absolute must. BK, some are calling you the jinx. You've come on the pod, Frank Reich has gotten COVID, and Carson Wentz is not practicing. Well, I hope my performance outweighs the jinx, Yeah, you know, actually on the pod. Um, but yeah, it's been an interesting first week watching with you from Colts camp. And where's CP? He is at, ditching again? So he is at a bachelor party okay, that's in more um, Austin. And so I think he's been sending me a couple of, um, you know, slightly high noon influence texts. Yep. Um, I don't know, Lone Star influence texts. Um, perfectly acceptable, but... Um, CP is down there. Yeah, at a bachelor party. So he's feeling better. So he got past the food poisoning. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I'm like thinking to myself, is that just a, a cue for a hangover that you're about to have maybe? Uh, but happy to have you, and thank you. I know you're uh, busy right now keeping an eye on the old uh, MLB trade deadline. So yeah. we are recording this just before 4 o'clock. Your Cubs are in full sell mode. My Reds are in semi-buy. We'll, we'll, we'll see. It's a weird spot to be in semi-buy. Yeah, I know. I was hoping we could keep on playing the Cubs and they could keep on pitching to Joey Votto, but <laughs> that doesn't look like it's going to happen. Um, I, I do want to hit on a lot of camp takeaways three days into camp. We will talk Carson Wentz injury right here off the bat, but we've got Twitter questions as well. And, um, you know, like I was saying, when we get to this time of year, we typically try to get two pods in during a week. Uh, to give you guys a little bit of insight into what not only I've seen, but you've been out at camp, like you said, every single day. Let's start with the Wentz news. Um, What we know is this. uh, I I found it odd to end Thursday's practice that Jacob Eason took that final 11-on-11 session. I I, kind of walked off the field thinking to myself, that was weird. I'm I'm, I'm weird personally, so I'm talking to myself, and I'm like, that's just you don't see that, especially the second day at camp. You didn't know? pass a smell test. You might like get day eight, and you might be like, hey, let's put the backup in there with the starters and just, you know, whatever, emergency situation. Um, but Carson Wentz came over and did that NFL Network interview with Stacey Dales right mm-hmm. in front of us. And, you know, looking back on it, uh, was he favoring? Uh, he might have been favoring that foot slightly, but it's not like this dude was on crutches or, you know, anything like that. And then uh, right before we go out to Friday's practice, the Colts announce he will miss – uh, that third session, today's session, uh, due to a foot injury. Um, my expectation is he's going to miss some time. Uh, how much time? I think the Colts are still trying to figure that out, the severity of the injury. They're still trying to figure that out as we record this. Um, two things, Brendan. One, it could not be very serious. He could be back in whatever, five days, something like that. Um, or... Uh, this could be something a little bit more substantial. He could miss weeks, you know, who knows. And it is very noteworthy. Um, I'll let fans react how they want to react. What we're going to do on this podcast is present both sides of it. We just presented the first side. He could be back in whatever, five-ish days. Again, I'm under the impression he's going to miss some time. Um, so we'll present the other side of it, of what does that mean. Um, and, and again, we'll let... Uh, fans, uh, I believe someone texted me earlier, how much alcohol should I drink tonight was was in reference to this Carson Wentz news. Well, if they're a Cubs fan, just say, keep on adding the shots. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I, I think a good, uh, at least a, a shot or two on, on a Friday <laughs> night is probably good. And uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know, maybe you want a third or a fourth. Uh, but in all seriousness, 
What worries me is this. It's a non-contact foot injury for a quarterback that uses his feet. And I know that might sound so elementary, but this is not Philip Rivers' toe, where I'm convinced you could cut off three of Philip Rivers' toes and he'd still be Philip Rivers. Like, that's just kind of how he operates as a quarterback. Um, Carson Wentz is a guy that, like we saw on Thursday, which Thursday's practice was very good for him. I mean, 8 of 10, got it down the field vertically. We saw it, man. It was outside of the pocket. It was not necessarily set in the pocket. Still heaving it down the field with Zach Paschal. Like, his ability to create some plays with his lower body is certainly what makes him the number two overall quarterback in 2016, an MVP type of QB just two years later, um, and, and still an above average quarterback for much of his career. So that is what is concerning is that this is a guy that, again, uses that aspect so much for his game. Two other things. Non-contact, that always worries me. Hmm. You know, when you hear twinge non-contact, that is concerning. You know, right before we taped this, one of our colleagues was like, oh, it could be just a rolled ankle. I'm going to give you all of the things my eyes and my ears have heard over the last 24 hours about this and what did my eyes see today my eyes saw a whole lot of injured players out there at practice watching and i didn't see carson Wentz. if he's rolling an ankle whatever you put him in a boot you bring out a golf cart Mm. he can watch you know he can watch jacob eason from from afar um he's getting further tested and he's getting further evaluation i mean there would be no surprise to me if he was away from grand park you know honestly for some of that stuff um and then third i guess is you have a guy that obviously came off of a very disappointing season last year, and when he self-evaluated his own play, he mentioned that I've got to get back to rebuilding my lower body fundamentals. Something Frank Reich has talked about, something that Carson Wentz has talked about. So this injury obviously is in that area, and now you are removing him from the practice field after they did nothing of substance in the spring, Mm -hmm. and you're removing him for a period of time. And that's valuable reps. It's precious reps. Does it creep into preseason reps? You know, those are all—I mean, you guys have heard me on this podcast time and time again. I would say, compared to my colleagues, I've probably been the biggest advocate of, this dude needs to play in the preseason. And, 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 and play a good amount. How does this impact that? Because pull out the 2021 schedule. You aren't easing into it. You know, Pete Carroll week one, Aaron Donald week week two, and your division rival week three. Uh, so those are where I have some concerns on it. Um, you know, if you want to read a little bit more into it, they gave us a timetable on Ryan Kelly today. They didn't give us a timetable on Carson Wentz. Again, take that for what it's worth. I don't know how much stock that I put into that. Um, so, yeah, I, I, anything else on your end that stands out to you? Am I? Are we putting too much attention to this? Is this – it's the quarterback, so it matters. It's Carson Wentz, so it really matters. Just to piggyback off of what you said – this was something we talked about when Frank Reich got the positive test of is Carson Wentz the first few practices? Is he going to have a different approach? Is he going to look any different? Will it be weird to have not, Frank Reich not on the field with him in his first couple practices as a Colt? But now you add, I guess, an extra emphasis depending on how long this goes, KB. Frank Reich, hopefully he's back, what, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday? Yeah, if Monday, he comes back negative. Like, yeah. If this is a long-term deal, you are waiting, KB, of course, what, three, four, maybe a month? Three, four weeks, maybe a month to 
have the first practice that Wentz and Reich have officially been a part of. Yeah. And that's no bueno. No, it's not. And again, this is less than ideal. Um, and, and this time of year, yes, you're a month and a half away from the season opener, but uh, more so than a lot of other NFL teams, time is super, super precious for the Colts. Um, I'll go kind of DEFCON a little bit here, I guess, Brendan. Uh, I was on with Dan Dockich earlier today, and we went down this path, so I'll go down it as well. Let's say Carson Wentz is going to miss ample time. Let's say the Colts sit here right now, and they're like, I don't know. He could miss a month. If that's the case, you have to bring in a veteran QB right now. Now, I would roll with Jacob Eason still as my starter. Same. Let me stress that. I, we, I guess, in this situation, uh, because I always kind of have one eye looking towards the future. I'm a big believer in the Band-Aid QBs get you to be in purgatory. And purgatory in the NFL is hell. So, uh, you know, a, a trade, like, whatever. Let's say Carson Wentz's foot fell off and he misses the entire season and Nick Foles is your quarterback. Look at Nick Foles' record as a starting quarterback in this league. Don't get skewed with what happened in a magical run in three weeks in January, four weeks in January and February. Um, there's a reason the guy has played for <laughs> Several, several <laughs> NFL teams. That guy's not leading this team to where you want to be. So, uh, again, I'm always thinking of, if it's not the guy, give me a guy that has a ceiling that potentially could be the guy. And that's where Eason, again, factors in. Uh, is there great you know, percentage that Jacob Eason turns into a franchise quarterback? No, but like, that's something that I would want to see. Um, Dan and I had the argument. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Um, Dan and I had the argument of like, I kind of brought up 2017. You know, 2017, luck is out. You weren't sure, or at least the Colts, you know, acted like they didn't know. They knew full well um, that that luck wasn't going to be ready to go. So Scott Tolzien, you know, starts taking these reps. And, you know, Tolzien is kind of in the situation of, let's say you were to go out tomorrow and sign, you know, again, Matt Barkley. Sorry if you just puked or, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but he is a name, and he's available. So... Boom. Let's say they sign Matt Barkley. They um, roll with Matt Barkley for a month, and then all of a sudden, you know, the Bears want to part ways with Andy Dalton or Nick Foles at the end of August. Do you then make that move? Is that like Mm. 2017 when it was Tolzien for so long? Then you trade for Jacoby 10 days before the start of the season. You roll with Eason, or excuse me, you roll with Tolzien into that season opener against the Rams. Then he looks like Rosie Bowen playing quarterback, and next thing you know, Jacoby Brissett's your week two starter. So I guess these are all thoughts, scenarios. Again, if it is a longer-term issue than just, hey, you know, whatever. He sprained something. He'll be out two to three weeks. Uh, But I do think you need to go out and probably sign a veteran QB. Um, Now, I I still want to see Eason get the starting reps. That's me personally. I don't know if the Colts feel that way. Uh, But, Brendan, I don't know if you've seen the list of veteran quarterbacks available. I put them in my notebook today, that story. and um, should, I, should I put a trash can next to your chair right now? Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. Um, we need one of those you know, uh, Uber barf bags. <laughs> um, I read them off for a colleague of mine in the media room, and the response was, oh, my God. Robert Griffin III, Matt Barkley, Blake Bortles, Sean Mannion, Matt Schaub, 
Ryan Finley. Matt Schaub still playing? Maybe he hung it up. Where's Joe uh, Flacco nowadays? New York still? He signed somewhere. He signed somewhere. Um, let, me, let me pull that up. Joe I do Flacco's agree with, with you, the KB. Eagles. Eagles? Yeah. Hmm. I would not have gotten that. KB, I do agree with you that the imperativeness of Jacob Eason this training camp and this preseason, kind of like the Wentz injury where it could turn out where Wentz is gone for a short while or this is a long-term deal, for Eason, it can turn out he's a fourth-round pick and it won't work out, or it could turn out that he's the best-kept secret of the last year in the NFL. Dude. Nobody has seen this dude, KB, until this point. And, and Nobody. I, I try to stress that on this podcast of, like, the Colts don't even know what they have in Jacob Eason. No. Like, so many people ask me, like, hey, what do you know about Eason? What do the Colts know? I'm like, dude, they know as much as us. <laughs> he threw, and I said this in the morning show today, Jacob Eason last year in the entire training camp threw 30 – some passes in 11 on 11 like 30 pa- like that's what you throw in one game he threw that for the entire entire training camp and then obviously once it gets into the regular season he's not getting any sort of valuable reps in practice um so this is where we're at right now um with Wentz again I expect him to miss some time severity the exact injury not 100% sure on. We'll get more info as we move along. Um, I know that I've had a lot of Eagles fans in my mentions today talking about, well, I hope you know he doesn't miss too much time in the regular season because we want that first-round pick. You know, that's, that's the other layer to this. Of You do have that player um, compensation, or I guess draft pick compensation, that uh, 75% play time uh, equals a first-round pick. I think it's 70%. And a playoff berth, I think, is still a first-round pick. Mm. And then anything, obviously, other than those things, he is. Uh, it would be a second-round pick. And um, so I, I have no idea if it's going to be regular season or anything like that. But I hear non-contact. I hear foot. We're talking about a guy that makes plays with his legs. We're talking about a guy that is trying to rebuild his lower body, not to mention kind of rebuild a bit of his confidence. And I think any missed time is um, is a big bummer. And it stings a bit. And I thought he had a really good Thursday practice. Yeah. Um, anything else, Wentz injury related, BK? Before we get to specifics on kind of what we've observed here in these first three practice days, I don't think the injury should be any sign for Matt Eberflus and his team that the defense needs to take it any easier. I really like how they have come out physically. Um, they have gotten after it, to use a term that Chris Ballard used, what, three or four times in his press conference. You know, the defense should not hold up by any means. I like how they went after Wentz. I liked how they challenged him. Wentz made that really nice throw to Pascal that you alluded to, KB. What, 60 yards downfield, 50? Yeah. It was, I mean, yeah. and that was while he was pressured. Right, Buckner um, was kind of in his face, yeah. Jacob Eason threw an interception today. Bobby Okariki was all over it. Mm-hmm. Eason threw it right at him. Yeah. But the defense went right after Eason. And you should not make this guy's life easy in any way because, look, we've talked about the running back core and how good they can be. We talked about would it, would it be the running back core, top five or a top five defense back on Monday. You said the running back core. If you want to be a top five defense, it starts right now, KB. One last note that just popped up in my timeline before we get into takeaways. This is from Mike Garofalo from um, NFL Network. He says, uh, Carson Wentz will see noted foot specialist Robert Anderson in the near future, 
A firmer timeline for his return will be established at that point. For now, the team is taking solace in week one still being six weeks away. I think that reiterates a lot of what I just said. Um, expect Carson to miss some time. And I think you got to scour a little bit of that veteran market and see how the rest of, you know, August unfolds. Um, so late July, here we are talking about Colts, quarterback, lower body injury. Let's move on. Okay, camp takeaways. I, I do want to hit on Wentz, just what I've seen. Um, you know, first day, I thought, you know, shaky and to be expected. You know, we, he hasn't seen a defense since December. Yeah, I think too many times, and I guess let's preface by saying, these are training camp takeaways after three practices. They have not put on full pads. I know that's like a disclaimer I almost should say before like every radio hit, every video that we do. And that's Monday, right? Full pads? Uh, yes, yes, yeah. Um, like put in that disclaimer before, you know, anything that I'm right or say over the next month or so. But usually the first few days of camp, like you said, are without pads on. That's what you did in the spring. Well, the Colts didn't even sniff this in the spring. So this is all new offense, defense. But I thought Wentz was really good on Thursday. He um, he certainly bounced back. I thought a little bit more of just kind of letting it loose. And it was an 8 of 10 day, which is good when you look at it on paper. It was much better when you were there in person and realized how vertical um, the passing game was. Now, there was some perimeter action some bootleg naked stuff, some zone read stuff. Like what I'm reminded by watching Carson Wentz play quarterback is like that dude's a threat to at least make a play with his legs. And when you make the defense respect you with that and they have to commit a guy, now we get into the numbers game. You know the whole, oh, you know, we've got three guys committed to the RPO or you know, we've got two guys or that DN is 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 crashing or you know something like that. That, I think, is such a weapon for Frank Reich. And then lastly, you mentioned the Pascal throw, that arm talent. Mm-hmm. I'm always looking for the unteachable traits at quarterback, and he gives you that unteachable trait um, at the quarterback position. So um, I thought it was a really good Thursday for him. Obviously. It's just nice to see a deep ball. Yeah, and right. just yeah, and stressing the defense. Yeah, I, Phillip Rivers did a lot of good for this football team, but – you have a higher ceiling quarterback. And yes, it was two days at Grand Park, and we'll see the next time we see him. But the Colts have a QB that can get the ball vertical. Um, so that's kind of been the takeaway there, Wentz-related. Um, Ian Rappaport just added this. All options are on the table, including a minor surgical procedure. The hope is to avoid it, but it's possible. Either way, if Carson Wentz misses games, it's not likely to be many. So um, I'll stop reading my Twitter timeline because that's irrelevant to so many people that are listening to this podcast on Saturday, Sunday, whatnot here. It didn't look that extreme. I mean, do you remember seeing him even? No, I mean, I I mean, I I remember him coming over to Stacey Dales and like being like there, you know, it's just a little bit of a I don't know. Is a saunter a a right word? I I have no idea if that's even the right word. So for some reason that um popped into my head right now but I don't know he just wasn't and part of it I was like oh wow he just went through a really hot training camp practice um but yeah it's not like this guy left practice it's not like the Ryan Kelly injury it's not like he you know had to be carted off or anything like that um let's move on to Eason bounced back well uh, on Thursday uh, perfect day and I thought he also got it vertical and had a nice 11 on 11 session with the starters mm-hmm. today's session uh looked very Jacoby Brissett like 
Um, that interception was right to Okariki. That interception was horrific. One of the worst interceptions I've seen in a training camp practice, honestly. He threw it right between the five and the eight. I mean, Okariki was like basket. Thank you. It. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. And, uh, okay, I'm supposed to run? Yeah, I will run. And if you noticed on that play, BK, Eason looks left. I want to say it was like Taylor maybe in the flat. Then like scanning... You know, I don't, I'm so bad at like doing the clock, you know, acting like, you know, whatever. Let's say Taylor was nine o'clock. He started to scan to like 11 o'clock for his next read. That wasn't there. And then he scans to the right. So now it's, you know, two o'clock and boom, that's where he's throwing it. And Okariki's sitting right there in the zone. And it's just like, that is the Washington stuff that worried me. You know, when I, and we had a podcast on this last summer, um, and there's an article up on our website if you guys want to look at it just kind of my film breakdown from watching Jacob Eason in uh, college when he had to make multiple progressions and reads. That's when shit started to, you know, hit the fan a little bit there. Uh, and we saw that today. I thought it was way too check down central for my liking. Now, did Jacob Eason, I don't know when he found out that he was going to be all-star reps, but, you know, today had to be a nerve-wracking day for him. I mean... First time running the starting show for yeah. an entire practice. So Big crowd. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm going to note that. Yes, this guy's played in the SEC. Yes, he's played for his hometown team. But it's still different. Knowing, like you just said, what an opportunity for Jacob Eason potentially over the next few weeks. Yeah. I mean, incredible opportunity for him. Um, I felt like today, again, when I said Jacoby Brissett, like just a little bit too dink and dunk for me. Um, would like to see him fling it a little bit more there. Um, so, yeah, there you go. Sam Ellinger is not going to challenge for the backup job. If you need a backup, you're going to go outside of your building. I, I'm a firm believer in that. I mean, Ellinger had a decent day today. Um, but, yeah, I, I just – Eason and, well, <laughs> we'll see how much now. But Wentz and Eason, I just can't see them. Um, they're going to get the vast majority of reps Yeah, here during camp. I like Ellinger in the sense that I don't think he does anything to an elite level, but he's really good at a lot of things. And watching him, all I can think about in my head when he's dropping back to pass is Gus Johnson on the big noon kickoff, Big 12. Ellinger! It's like we're watching, he did every Texas game. I was going to say, it's like we're watching the Red River shootout yeah. and like Ellinger's leading that leading that comeback there. Texas, yeah. touchdown! <laughs> we need to get Matt Matt Taylor on the mic and see if he can give us a Gus impression when, when Ellinger is um, <laughs> taking over there. Um, so we'll obviously get a better look at him, you know, until you get a veteran QB. I'm assuming now that you're going to get a veteran QB in here. Um, let's move over to left tackle. That update will hold in the first two days. I thought he performed really well in the first two days. Uh, Sam Tevy slid into that spot today. It sounds like they're going to give those guys kind of multiple days, which I'm totally good with. You want those guys to get into a rhythm. It'd be stupid to kind of rotate them in by series and things like that. I thought the offensive tackles just got roasted today. And honestly, Holden is in that group, even when he was in there. Um, I want Will Holden to get a legit chance, but yeah, I mean, it's... It was literally like, come to the meat counter for the DNs. Just take a ticket and feast. I mean, it was Quiddy Pay in the backfield. Kamoko Turi had some rushes. Ben Banigou had some rushes. Isaac Rochelle. I mean, all the time. Braden Smith even got beat a couple times as well, which you're certainly not used to seeing there. Uh, but, yeah, so far, Will holding the first two days. Tevi, uh, today, and like uh, you said, BK, uh, the full pads will come on Monday there. 
Uh, moving over to defense before we get to Twitter questions, it's just been a whole lot of guys that are out. Um, so Darius Leonard, uh, with that ankle procedure that he had uh, in early June, he has been out. No boot, did some field work today, so I assume he's going to be you know, returning to action soon. And I go back to a podcast we did a few weeks ago where I said the most indispensable Colts in 2021. I had Leonard third on that list above Wentz. And the reason why I had him was just because you look behind him and EJ Speed has taken virtually all of the Will linebacker reps. EJ Speed's played in the league for two years, 32 games. I think he's played 34 snaps. Not a lot. Uh, I want to say 28 of them came against the Raiders two years ago. So you take out that game, and he's played 31 games and played like a handful of defensive snaps. So um, we talk about great opportunities right now defensively with Leonard out, Al-Kadim Muhammad on the COVID list, Xavier Rhodes and TJ Carey on the COVID list. Great chances on the corner group right now. Rocky's seen a couple good days. I like what I've seen from Marvell Tell. Now, I I was having a conversation with Rick Venturi during practice today, and he brought up a good point. And and, Rick has never been a Rocky scene guy. Rock and Marvell are both very physical. There are officials out at camp. They don't really throw the flag at all. I mean, they don't throw it aggressively to stop plays, which I get it. You kind of want them to run through plays. But, and this goes back to something I thought about Rock. I've never thought Rock has been awful in training camp. Like, I've never thought that. But yet, he gets in the season and starts to get picked on and has one of those early flags, and then teams really start to challenge him, and that's when stuff starts to crumble for him. To me, I almost wish they would be super aggressive with flags in training camp that would kind of coach or whatever, force those habits out of those guys, because basically... When we see pass deflections for Rock and Marvell, you know, oftentimes we kind of look at each other like, what do you think? Flag? No flag? Like, you know, it's kind of a guessing game for us. And what does that do in terms of habits for them leading into the season? Um, but it's critical to build up depth there. And those guys, plus Isaiah Rogers, are getting such a good opportunity. I thought today was really good out of Quiddy Pay. You know, when you, I, I don't know about you, Brendan, but like, Obviously, it was the first time I've seen Quiddy Pay in person. Well, I guess physically, when you see Quiddy Pay, can you describe for our listeners your impressions of seeing him? Tree trunk thighs are might be an overused term nowadays, but truly, truly, tree trunks, dude. And we're not we're talking like uh, I don't know. I remember back in elementary school, like how you tell the age of trees, you know how many rings <laughs> they have or whatever, yeah. dude. We're talking these. There's a lot of rings. On uh, on this trip, I mean, he's big, massive, and again, this is so probably weird for us to say, but like huge thighs, huge, huge, and so like when I watch him, I'm thinking to myself, how can a human being with those legs pull off the testing numbers that you've pulled off in the first two days of camp? I didn't see any sort of pop athleticism wise today. I I saw much more of that. And he admitted after his first practice, like, hey. It was fast, yeah. Yeah, it was fast. I did not expect that. I got to get off the ball quicker, those things. And that, I think, was always kind of my worry of, like, when I watched him at Michigan, I didn't see the speed athletic testing traits as much on film as you would like. Um, Didn't see it the first two days. Saw it a whole lot today. He made some people look stupid out there on the field. So, again, I thought a good day. Him and Tyquan Lewis are getting all the starting reps at those DN spots. Ture, those guys are kind of rotating in. Um, Yeah, that's 
that's about it for me yeah. on just uh, just pure takeaways. If you've got anything to add, feel free um, on that front. There was one particular rush where we were standing next to each other, Quiddy Pay against Sam Tevy, and I looked at you. I was like, "You see that?" And when you talk about burning a left tackle, oh. he did more. He did more than burn him. Pay came off that line, and as you said, it was it took some time to adjust to the quickness of practice through the first couple days, but. Sometimes it's like having a donut on your bat in baseball. When you take that off and you start to adjust to it, and you're like, all right, give me a couple practice swings. I'll be good to go. The first couple days were Pay's practice swings, and he was ready to roll today. He was aggressive. He was violent. And I love it. I really do. And if you can get Dio Dangbo back and you have both of those guys come at you, I don't want any part of that, KB. You know, I when I saw that move he pulled on Tevi, I was hoping that Tevi's children weren't weren't at Grand Park because they you know, no one should be. That man has that. a family. Yeah, yeah. that is a hundred percent. You know, I was waiting for Iron Eagle um, to whatever chime chime in there, <laughs> but um, yeah. In all seriousness, I, I I just thought it was a really good day for Pay, and I know it gets back to a Twitter question we've had before of like, how do you evaluate these rushers when they aren't going to see Eric Fisher in all likelihood? Now, Braden Smith's on one side. The problem that we get into is. Quiddy Pay is a right defensive end. Braden Smith's a right tackle. That means they don't go up against each other. I really wish. Now, Ture is opposite at times. Um, I really wish Quiddy Pay would see Braden Smith a little bit there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Um, camp notebook every day up on the website. Uh, get a, about a 90-second video recap as well up on our YouTube page. I really encourage people to check that stuff out. I feel like it's um, pretty good content. Um, got a, a little bit of a personal... Um, whatever family uh, issue that um, I'll be tending to on Monday. So BK will be filling in for me then up at practice. So we'll still have content up on the site. Uh, but, yeah, 107.5 The Fan has uh, all of our written coverage during camp. A couple other things I took away was I've never really stood next to Mo Alley Cox before. Large. But <laughs> more than large. His legs, you know what his legs remind me of? A Clydesdale horse. Yeah. <laughs> Which they were there at Wednesday's yes. practice. Yes, his legs are like a Clydesdale. No yeah. kidding, man. He is a large, large human. I mean, the Colts—they're uh, a good team to get off the bus. <laughs> yeah. You know, they are a good-looking team. Yeah. They are a. Um, and I don't. I don't think they're underwhelming athleticism and things like mm-hmm. that. You know, my biggest question mark again is: Are you impactful enough at the truly impactful positions? Uh, that is kind of where my question is. But certainly. Uh, and, and Mo Alley had a good day today. Struggled early on, yeah. but uh, he had a nice day today. Uh, one thing to note on Easton's day today, the Colts were without Fisher, obviously. Quint Nelson rest day. No Ryan Kelly, of course. Danny Pinter getting the reps there at center. T.Y. Uh, T.Y. and Jack Doyle resting as well. So it was a slew of names out for um, for him. Yeah, I thought um, Mike Strawn was noticeable, too, with his early route running practice. Um, he runs a violent route. Yeah, he had a long long strides, really hustling. Kid hustles, and I would hope you hustle if you're a seventh-round pick. He he had a one-on-one rep, was it today, where he just kind of mossed somebody? He just made it look really easy, just... Toe tap and nothing too big for him. And I like him. Now, how do you get that in 11-on-11? 11 11? Yeah, you don't usually see isolated stuff like that. He hasn't had as much action in 11-on-11, 11 11, but you can see why the Colts are intrigued there. Yeah. So, There's uh, something there. Yeah, definitely. So, again, if you guys have missed any of our um, takeaways, 
check that out up on our website. Uh, but let's uh, let's get into Twitter questions, man. All right, KB. First, we'll go to Drew. On a scale of one to ten, Kev, how concerned are you about the Wentz injury? Yeah, I mean, I got a lot of this immediately afterwards. My antenna's up, and I think I've made that clear so far with kind of what I've said. I just think time is precious. It's a new quarterback that also, we have to acknowledge, he's got some injury history. You know, obviously the ACL, um, he's had a back injury, he's had a concussion, he hasn't finished a whole lot of seasons. Um, and, and like one thing that I and I don't know, maybe I'm scarred because the Colts have had quarterback injury issues. But like as a reporter, my job again is to always to do homework, especially this position on a worst case. And I've kind of learned my lessons over the over the years of, you know, when the quarterback day three of camp misses due to a foot injury and it was non-contact and he's got injury history and he's not at practice. You know, I'm my job isn't rocket science. Like the, that stuff starts to add up. So I'm going to present you both sides of it. And when I know something more concrete, I'll let you guys know. Um, but you know, right now, Drew, on a scale of one to ten, I mean, it's it's concerning. Is it like DefCon? No, but if you're going to take him off the Grand Park field for multiple weeks potentially, and maybe not play in the preseason, I mean, who knows? That's not great. So um, it is worrisome, certainly, for a guy that you're trying to rebuild confidence in and all of that. I do really like what I saw at Thursday's practice. I, I know it's just one day, but I really liked the Carson Wentz I saw that day. And then as soon as I saw Jacob Beeson, I'm like, wait, what? What are you doing with the starters? I'm kind of like, yeah. And here we are. As you said, Carson Wentz on Thursday did not look like fighting with Jalen Hurts Carson Wentz. Yes. Yes. <laughs> right. To put it simply. And, and you know, I, I got this question from Dan when I went on with him earlier today. Like, would you go out and get Nick Foles right now? I, I don't know if you've had this conversation on the podcast, but part of me is like this. If Chris Boward said to Frank Reich, let's go get Nick Foles, and Frank Reich loves, loves Nick Foles. Chris, first, Frank's initial response to Chris might say, oh, man, I love Nick, but aren't you worried about what that might do for Carson? And then if I'm Chris, I look back at Franken and say, what that might do for Carson if our starting quarterback is worried about who's holding the Microsoft Surface on the sidelines, yeah. <laughs> that dude's not built to be my franchise quarterback. Yes. And I mean that in all seriousness. Like, the whole Jalen Hurts thing, that was weird. Whatever. If he's worried about Nick Foles, then I'm worried about Carson Wentz. Um, so, we'll see how it all will evolve and whatnot. Um, my thought is this. Let's say Carson Wentz is going to miss, I don't know, three weeks. You go out and get a vet, take some snaps away from Ellinger, whoop-de-doo, that's part of it, sorry, and you prepare for a possible Eason starter. This guy could be the backup for week one. You see what happens at cut down, you get a better evaluation of where Wentz is, and you move forward from there. All right, KB, this is from Scotty. He says he loves the camp update articles you've been putting up. You've been doing a great job, man. Thank you. Um, Reading those articles, Scotty says, and seeing snippets of video from camp, it seems like Wentz is getting pressured a good amount, as we talked about. Is that a result of injuries or lack of starts on the O-line or not having pads, such as physical contact, um, trying out deep throws or a combination of it all? Thanks, Gary. Yeah, I'd say a little bit of that. You know, Scotty, I don't fret too much about pressure um, until the pads come on. You know, I just think that's a truer evaluation there. I do think on Thursday – 
we saw a lot more deep throws. Now today, what is worrisome to me is, I guess it was third down was kind of the situations, but I just felt like for so many checkdowns, to see that much pressure was a little bit alarming. Um, but yeah, I thought the pass rush had a really strong day. And we should note, again, three starters missing on your offensive line. Your starting D-line, I would think, is intact. Um, I don't know, maybe Al-Qadim Muhammad challenges there. But your D-line is definitely your healthiest group right now um, so far in camp. KB, Big Bama chimes in. With Big Qu- Bama! <laughs> with Quentin Nelson going after DeForest Buckner every practice. It's obviously having some iron sharpening iron. How much is this helping Big Q get ready for his biggest test yet in Week 2 against Aaron Donald? Boy, you know, I, I want to see Quentin against Aaron Donald so much, but, like, if you're the Rams, why would you do that? Like, don't you want to have Aaron Donald over on Mark Lewinsky? And, <laughs> you know, they, they obviously can c- control that. Um, I mean, Quentin Nelson's the best guard in the league, so I don't know if he needs to prove anything. To I feel like that's the scene from Rudy. Prove nothing to nobody except yourself. <laughs> After what you've gone through, if you haven't done that by now, it ain't going to never happen. Um, that was very good. Thank you. Yeah, I, Matt Taylor asked. I fortunately I can recite a large, large chunk of that into the movie, especially that scene itself. Um, you know, last year, BK, I was a little disappointed. I felt like we got no really one-on-one reps with those two against each other. Uh, but I, I saw it the other day. I'd love to see it in full pads. So yeah, it, it, it's good. It's certainly iron, iron sharpening iron, and all that, and um, it's fun. And yeah, I don't know about you, but like. You know, Tuesday was it Tuesday? Was that report day? Yeah, yeah. That was the first time I'd seen DeForest Buckner in person, in an interview setting. You talk about a dude that carries his weight well. I mean, it is amazing to me he plays defensive tackle. And then you watch him in practice, and you watch him move laterally, and I'm like, wow. Um, so yeah, the Colts got two studs in uh, 56 and 99. KB from Colton. Kind of talked about Will Holden and Sam Tevy a moment ago, but if he retains his starting spot through camp and he's able to whoop some butt until Eric Fisher is ready to come back, is there a chance Holden gets the starting job even with Fisher available? Oh, no. I mean, no. I guess maybe Fisher would practice like once, but if Eric Fisher is allowed to practice for a week or two, yeah, I would, boy, I'd, I'll put it 2.6%. I, I don't... I mean, he signed Eric Fisher for a reason, and, you know, yeah, we'll hold him if he looks good in two to three games. That's great. You're going to probably need a backup tackle at some point during Saw the season. Saw that in the playoffs. Certainly, yeah. certainly. But, um, you know, I keep on coming back to the Kansas City Chiefs didn't lose a game with Eric Fisher in the lineup last two years. They're about a 500 football team with him out of the lineup. Now, some other guys have missed time in that span, but, you know, Eric Fisher went healthy, pretty good football player. So, uh I don't see a Wally Pip situation here. <laughs> All right, KB. We go to Zach as Zach chimes in. Hope your family is well. Do you think we would bring back Justin Houston Justin Houston back on the one-year deal for death purposes on the defensive end slate? Oh, interesting. I kind of forget about Justin Houston at times. You know, you, you forget he's still out there. You know, I feel like Houston wants to play. Um, you know, if injuries really start to pile up, I... I Maybe something at DN, but I don't know. I, you guys have heard me talk about it. Like, I feel like this team will miss Danico Autry and Justin Houston to a degree, but at the same time, 
I kind of want to see this new blood. And I know it's super weird. I know it's odd to say, like, um, but if Dayo Dengbo can be healthy early on, you know, he's a guy that I want to see in there as well. So, Zach, it just feels like the two parties have moved on. But that's a decent question. Um, it's a better than decent question. I don't know why I just half-asked you. <laughs> I, I apologize. Come on, KB. That's on me there. I'm sorry. There's been a lot, you know, Colts have had like five major news items, and so I'm a little bit, uh, you know, ornery. Um, yeah, I don't see it. And, and, like, when you say depth, no. Justin Houston wants to walk into a situation where he's going to play. KB, from JD, he chimes in, should it ever worry us as fans that our three biggest stars in Darius Leonard, Quentin Nelson, actually two biggest stars, Darius Leonard and Quentin Nelson are at positions many around the league consider less important? Yeah, this kind of comes back to, remember that Ballard question he got when we were there on Monday? You know, the whole, yeah. you know. Do you pay you, a player? Yeah. What do you say to people that say you don't pay players at, at, at those positions? And Ballard, <laughs> you know, he, he quit pretty aggressively. You play good players no matter the position. Um, you know, would you rather have Leonard and Nelson type players at left tackle and edge rusher? Without a doubt. But I do think we have to acknowledge this. Guard is becoming more and more an important position. And I think in this defense, certainly, off-ball linebacker is huge. Um, now, I still stand by what I've said before, of like there are other more impactful positions and whatnot. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's, you know, should, should it ever worry us fans? Are too big? Yeah, it's, J.D., it's about to get complicated. It's about to get complicated financially, and... I keep on coming back to what I've said before. They've got to hit, continue to hit, um, especially those key spots uh, when it comes time to make a call. Like, if Quiddy Pay doesn't work out for some reason, it just just kills you so much moving forward in what you're able to do and, and roster building and all that. So, like, these have got to be hits. When you're swinging now, you can't afford some of the misses that you, you've had. Because you know, so many people, I don't think, realize this. You've invested a lot in your O-line financially. Like, we're seeing it now, the new contract for Brayden Smith. Congrats to him. I don't think we've said that on the podcast. Obviously, Ryan Kelly, et cetera, et cetera. It's probably nice waking up with $40 million. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you can buy fishing poles and bait for life if you're Brayden Smith. Um, The Colts have invested a whole lot into their D-line. Like, think about it. Buckner, 13th overall pick, plus what you've given them. Quiddy Pay, first rounder. Dio Dangbo, second rounder. Kamoko Terry, second rounder. Tycon Lewis, second rounder. Terrell Basham, third rounder. Ben Banigou, second rounder. I mean, right there, that's seven quote-unquote draft picks you've made, not to mention the money you've given to Buckner, to Autry, to Houston. I mean, you've paid those guys notable contracts compared to really the rest of free agent activity. So they've invested a whole lot in the D-line. You've gotten the return out of the O-line. You need to start to get out of the D-line. Well, and you mentioned if Quiddy pay does not hit, I think that's even more of a sting, KB, when you look at what else was available at 21 and you had a chance to get your left tackle of the future. Right, right. And obviously we'll see how all that plays out. And I feel like NBA draft last night, we're saying that about the Pacers. You know, Moses Moody going to pick after them. There's so many people are on those two sides of the line there. So, um, But character reigns out. And you do when you do listen to Quiddy Pay, it is, man, that dude wants to work. He really wants to work. I mean, that press conference, I was pretty impressed by him the yeah. other day about 
the whole nutritional aspect and, you know, the lean mass and getting out of 265 and yeah. Sorry, I just got a text from my buddy that said he just got called up to the Indianapolis Indians. So. Let's go. Let's go. Here John O'Reilly, who was on my Cape Cod League team in 2016. Uh, he's a Pittsburgh Pirate and just got called up from Double A Altoona. That so, is that's badass. Awesome. Yeah. Um, I said I wouldn't read any more tweets. I lied. I'm going to read one more tweet about Carson Wentz. Please do. Michael Silver. I'm told that the Wentz foot injury involves a bone and a ligament. Colts had been hoping for better news or bracing for possible surgery. Oof. Wish I could present better news. Uh, Michael Silver, I know to some people might not be like as, you know, Rappaport, Schefter, those sorts of things. I'm pretty sure Mike Silver has a very good relationship with the owner. Hmm. So there you go. KB, here's Ross. He asks, will the Colts do anything with Zayvon Howard? Yeah, I can't see it. You know, I just, the Colts have never really invested a ton at corner. And I, well, I say that more of just kind of the financial aspect of it, multi year deals, things like that. They spent draft picks, but, and then, you know, you also got to think about draft pick issue moving forward. So I, I would say no. Hmm. Louisiana guy. Just a nice little moniker. Oh, there. great yeah. moniker. Yeah. <laughs> what are your expectations, KB, for the wide receiver group? And do you think the addition of Carson Wentz, if healthy, will help boost our offense to the next level? Yeah, those are um, those are good questions. Um, I, I did want kind of another wide out. Um, if healthy, I think that group can really perform, though. I think they, they complement each other really well skill set-wise. I thought T.Y. Hilton had a nice Thursday practice. Um, you know, Michael Pittman, you guys know full well what I think about him and Paris Campbell. Same thing. And Pascal, I'm just reminded, he's just old faithful when you watch him out there at practice for sure. Um, I thought Bubba Ventrone told a great story about Zach Pascal making his first impression in the NFL, just covering a kick against the 49ers a few years ago, made two big plays. Coach started to trust him. That, you know, just kind of inevitably just spreads to other coaches, and boom, here's Zach Pascal doing what he's doing. So, I've got high expectations for that group and necessary expectations. That group has underperformed too much lately. And um, yeah, they need to step up this year, especially if you're going to have some quarterback mm-hmm. you know, questions potentially here injury wise. There's another question from Louisiana guy that I think is kind of important. Do you think the Colts can win shootouts? If they get to that oh point, boy. yeah, I'm I'm gonna have to see that. Yeah. Obviously, you know, if Wentz is gonna miss time, you know, you're gonna lean on your run game a whole whole lot. Um, that was my issue, I think, last year. BK was I never felt like the Colts could come from behind, really, you know, down ten or whatever, execute late in games. You know, that, I just don't think they're built like that. Um, I like the wide receiver personnel, but you know, we'll have to see if when Carson gets healthy. Well, I remember that comeback against the Bengals, but that's Cincinnati. Yeah, uh, that is Cincinnati. <laughs> and yeah, I, I know that Green Bay game, you know, the Green Bay was really, I think, more coming back in that game. So I just felt like late drives, fourth quarter, just not a lot of it happened. All right, Kev, from Tanner, let's go back a few months to where there were more restrictions on what numbers each position in football could wear. What's your ideal number for every position on the field? For instance, 12 looks good on a quarterback, 54, he says, quote, sexy on a linebacker. <laughs> Brian Urlacher. God, I love that. Okay, feel feel free to chime in. I, I like 12 for a quarterback. Yep. I like 28 for a running back. I have transitioned wide out into, and I believe the Colts only have two wide outs right now in the 80s, and both of them I think are like probably going to get cut. So they've got a lot of, you know, 10 to 19ers. I kind of like 11. Mm. I don't know, maybe that's Julio, but 
or Michael Pittman. I think that looks good. Tight end, I'm going 87. I also can get behind a Dallas Clark looking tight end. Yeah. O line, I like 72. Man, you had these planned. Oh yeah. Trust me, I'm not. Came prepared. Yeah. D line, I like 99. I'm gonna sound like an idiot because I'm just going off the fly. <laughs> Linebacker, I like 55. Corner, I got to go 21. And uh, safety, I want to go thumper. I want to go hitter. I want 44. Mm. What do you got? You got any? Uh, I want my kicker turner to wear number 23. Oh. Mr. Hester. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. That, I mean, literally gives you a tenth or two better. Yeah, I mean, it, it just boosts your Madden rating. Uh, I always thought four looks good on a quarterback. Okay. Brett Favre. Yeah. Uh, Sam Ellinger's yeah. wearing number four. He is, yeah. Um, I, I, I think it looks sharp. Um, Paris Campbell in number one is a little bit of a change. It is. Um, but when you can run as fast as him, I think you're going to rock that. Yeah. Do you think you like the Wentz too? I don't love it. I don't know. I'm more of a double digit guy for quarterbacks. Yeah. I'm not as much for. I mean, I, I, I hear you out there. I kind of like 10, 12. Obviously, I'm sure everyone wants me to say 18. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I know 18 is a little bit too high for me. I linebackers, I think Okuriki's got a good number at fifty-eight. Yeah, speed's forty-five. I think. Yep. I, the number forty-four is just kind of sharp. Yeah, Zaire Franklin. Yeah, it is sharp. Um, I'm not like big like number aesthetic. Like I know some people out there are like super. Now I I, I said on the podcast when Naeem Hines was forty-two a few years ago in the preseason, you know he was Comer in Friday Night Lights, <laughs> and then when he went to twenty-one, he became Booby. <laughs> Seriously, you know, girls aren't talking to you in the hallway when you're 42. Right. And, you know, they're like, okay, is your older brother on the team? And then you go to 21 and they're asking you where you're going after the game. So um, I am that when it comes to running backs, but (laughs) other positions, I'm not too number crazy. IKB from Matt. Here's his question. As he says, he knows it was a while ago, but he doesn't understand why the Colts did not re-sign Danico Autry. Yeah, I was a little bit disappointed in this. Um, you know, this is kind of the whole Ballard debate. If he draws a line in the sand, sets a value on a player. Autry wanted a few more guarantees at his age. I don't blame him. And yeah, I mean, here you are. So, um, you know, I, I've, I, I would have liked to have seen if you were going to let him walk. I would like to have seen another move on the D line in March. You know, I think when we did our green, yellow, red category of guys to bring back. The three we had in the green category, Xavier Rhodes, Alkadi, Muhammad, and Autry. So that is something that I would have explored. But, you know, Taekwon Lewis I do think is underrated, and I don't think we talk about him enough. I, I, I really think he's headed for a second contract here. I think he's become a pretty good player. Obviously, you hope some of your other young defensive linemen follow that path. Uh, but still, I would like just a little bit more there. All right, so here's the burning question. Brian loves the pod. He asks, when will Beers with Bowen be making a return before the opener? It will, yes. Wednesday, September 8th. Plug it. Um, Beers with Bowen. I'm not 100% sure on location yet. I probably should have known that before I came on the podcast. But shout out to Bullseye Event Group. They're going to be uh, – they've got a great tailgate before games. They're going to be sponsoring the Beers with Bowen. So, yeah, Wednesday, September 8th. I think we'll shoot for uh, something downtown around then. I can't wait. We'll nice. uh, hopefully be giving away some tickets to the opener against the Seahawks a few days later. Hell yeah. Uh, t- 
to plug this, I have just found out I am hosting the fans' tailgates on Georgia Street. Let's go. On Sundays. 10 to 1, $3 Bud Lights here. I have been to a few. Let our listeners know what that looks like. Yeah, I'm still learning myself, but Georgia Street, 10 to 1 before every home game, $3 Bud Lights. I will be your MC introducing the bands, making announcements, giveaways, I'm sure. The post, the uh, prep team will be there, so should be great. It, it, it's a fun spot. I love um, – I would come there and do a little radio, like two years ago maybe, and uh, it's great for people that are parking downtown and parking garages. Just stop there first and then – Drink your beer on your way into Lucas Oil Stadium. It's yeah. perfect. So Get a beer and you got another, what, six, seven-minute walk? There you go. Yeah, well, you're going to have to come over because we got to take that shit over. Yeah. <laughs> I got it, man. Yeah. You don't have to tell me twice. Let's go. No, tag team that. That yeah, should be fun. IKB from Randall. Yes, what do you think is Bill Polian's best pick ever as a Colts GM? He goes with Robert Mathis for positional value and mm. the fact that he was a late-round pick and is a surefire Hall of Famer. Yeah, Mathis. I, I I would agree. I mean, fifth round. You know, obviously, if you don't take Peyton, if you don't take Edge, that could have de- derailed the whole franchise. You know, so I, I will acknowledge that. Um, you know, some people would probably say Dwight Freeney. That is a good one. But honestly, I think it's indicative of like how good of a GM Bill Bullion was at drafting that you're debating this many Hall of Famers. Yeah. Uh, but to me, the fact that you got Mathis fifth round, yeah, I got to go there. KB, some extension talk from Denny. He's wondering if Naheem Hines will soon be looking at a contract extension in his near future. Yeah, I mean, I think he deserves it. Um, you know, Ballard hasn't mentioned anything about it. Um, you know, I, I, I've kind of thought this. You know, if you take Marlon Mack entering last season, he didn't get the extension, even though he was a thousand yard rusher. And you take Hines entering this season. Now, I know Hines is, me- is banged up right now. A little bit of a hip injury. But, like, if you said who deserved an extension more, I probably would have argued Hines over Mack. And I know some might disagree with that, but I just feel like behind this O-line, runners can excel. Mm. First and second down guys. What Hines can do is the third down guy. And, of course, and, and again, I know he's banged up right now, but um, the fact that uh, – am I seeing Chris Bryant to the uh, Giants? Really? Yeah. Damn. Is that bad news? Yeah. I'm sorry, man. Gosh, you just got super dejected. Well, he KB was the guy I would keep, but I am happy if it is the Giants because on my podcast the other day, I was going over teams that I'd like to see the core traded to. Mm-hmm. The Giants have a stack system. Their number one prospect is a guy I called when I was in the Northwest League. His name's Joey Bart. Giant catcher. Great game caller. Yeah. So I hope if the group they get back, if... That's him, but man, that means the entire core is gone. Yeah, that's and weird. the deadline. You know what? Even stings even more. The deadline's in five minutes. Right. I mean, when damn. Teams, when, <laughs> as a Reds fan, I'm I'm thrilled. When when teams blow it up, man, I think committing to blowing it up though is good. I know, I know, it was a hell of a run, and obviously delivered. But uh, yeah, okay. Ah, uh, uh, yeah. Go ahead. Mac Hines again. I I would have gone with Hines. He's just a guy that deserves it. So uh, nothing on that front, but uh, I think he will get it. Sorry, I need to go back to the questions. <laughs> no, you're good. From, We're from good. Bryce. I you think just we got my heart. I uh, think we got three more. Yeah, left three more. Here's Bryce. Yeah. Uh, we talked about the training camp entrances and Kenny Moore coming in with Pato Award on that right. two seater. That was cool. Who, if anyone from the current team, though, would you think could pull off a Reggie Wayne style entrance at camp? You know, it's funny if 
I, I probably would have said Kenny before just because I, I, you know, if I would have thought about it more, I would have thought, okay, the relationship with Pato, this and that. We didn't see it in front of us, um, but Darius Leonard certainly had a nice welcome to camp in that uh, in that car and big old cowboy boots, and I think it was his birthday as well. Um, I, I kind of forget a few years ago that Vontae Davis came in some like God, what was that? It was like a Batmobile or something. I don't know. It was super weird. Um, so, yeah, I don't. Boy, that, that's that's a good one, Bryce. There's just not a whole lot of. <laughs> I don't know, super, super outgoing personalities that I could see doing this. Granted, like Reggie wasn't the most outgoing personality yet. He did it several years. So, um, my chapel always tells a great story about Edron James. Uh, his license was suspended. And so he took a cab to Terre Haute when training camp was there. Well, uh, come to find out, the cab driver, his license was suspended as well. Um, so, in only Edron James fashion. Uh, just such a great story. It would be funny if somehow someone snuck that into a Hall of Fame speech coming up next week. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it was uh, it was fun to see Kenny Moore uh, come in the Pato Award. Do you think uh, Jim Irsay is going to show everybody a picture of Sir Elton John's piano oh, at the Hall of Fame induction? 1,000%. Say, look at what, look what I just bought. 1,000%. Yes. I mean, hell, he might. He might he might ship it there. Yeah, I was going to say, he might have somebody playing that <laughs> at the party. All right. He might get on the ones and twos. <laughs> JJ, apparently the Colts are one of the least vaccinated teams. We, called, we talked about that on Monday. Barely over, what, 60% now? Yeah, 63 was, uh, I believe, the number that um, Chris Bauer threw out. And that was of whatever, Monday right. or Tuesday. So JJ says several teams are over 85%. How does this jibe with Ballard's... Uh, in infatuation uh, with having high character players, wouldn't high character players want to protect themselves and others from a deadly virus and variants? Yeah, we're going to end with a couple of COVID questions. I do have one more Wentz thought. So for those of you that just want to turn it off uh, with COVID, I still have a Wentz thought. So um, I want to end with that. But you know, I I had a couple people message me about this, and I think you can make the argument that. High character guys are going to be super independent thinkers, and they're going to do their own thing. And I think that's what I was referencing on Monday's podcast of, um, you know, not necessarily are guys going to be super inclined to follow. Oh, you know, DeForest Buckner told me to do this, so I'm going to do it. You know, I just think these are some super, super independent thinkers on this football team. Um, and I also think we should note this. You know, right now, like you said, BK, it's what, 63% of a 90 man roster? Judging by the masks that I'm seeing worn at practice, yeah. Boy, there's a whole lot of starters. A whole lot of starters that appear to be, and again, I stress appear to be unvaccinated. But you got to think the back end of the roster guys are more inclined to be vaccinated. They don't want, you know, they don't want to give any team a, a reason to possibly cut them or whatnot. So does that number drop when you cut your roster from 90 to 53? And what does that drop to? So uh, those are all kind of questions that I have. All right, KB, from Brian and Ari, unless something has changed, their understanding from you is Darius Leonard chose not to get vaccinated. They have an idea on Braden Smith, Braden Smith and Quentin Nelson, as you just said. Would it not make sense if any of these players are not vaccinated to decline to extend them until they do or wait until next summer or include a clause in their new co contract to require it. Yeah, I mean, you, you can't do that. No, I mean, that's – no, I think 
no way, shape, or form. I mean, like, so what about players that are under contract right now that are not getting vaccinated? Are you, are you just going to rip up their contract? <laughs> like, what? Yeah, I mean, there's no way. Imagine the precedent you would set for that with that agent. You know, can you imagine the CAA agent looking at you and being like, You nuts, yeah. What? Okay, do you see how many NFL draft picks that I have coming out next year? So, I mean, the Colts of stress, and as much as Jim Mersey and Chris Boward uh, have made it very clear that they want their players to get vaccinated, they've also acknowledged it is a personal decision, like point blank period. So, uh, no, that is not happening. So, uh, yeah, glad we didn't talk too much about COVID, but there you go. Uh, last thought I want to throw in on Wentz. BK, I've said this a whole lot about this 2021 season. Goals, win the division, get some home playoff games, make a run in January, start to take some tangible steps to reaching that end goal. Those are all important on the goal list for the Colts. But when you look at this team for the next five to ten years, the most important question to solve this season is, is Carson Wentz our, our quarterback or not? That is the question for the season. And this news today, if it impacts that, that's not good at all. Like, you being on the fence about Carson Wentz come January is the last thing that this organization needs. You know, yes, he's under contract for three more years. You can get out of it, though, after two years. You know, you have the whole um, draft pick situation on what you're going to give up for them, um, for him. Like, this clouds some of that. And... The Colts are going to have to make another. I mean, we'll see. I mean, who knows? Maybe Carson will get 100% healthy and he'll prove it. And um, but like you just you cannot be walking a delicate on a delicate rope after the season. You got to know, good or bad, he's our guy or he he's not our guy. And honestly, it falls back to a big reason why if if Carson's got to miss time, I'm good with seeing Jacob Beeson. It, it's good to get clarity. Good to get clarity, and. Realize what you have. I know that might not be the thinking that they would have internally as an organization. They probably are much more in the, hey, you know, we've got a really good team. We want to build it around a veteran QB that's whatever, not going to be starstruck potentially or scared. Um, I'm more of a baptism by fire with Eason, see what you got, uh, because I think quarterback matters so much in this league. I don't think a Band-Aid quarterback can get you to make a big-time playoff run, but that's just me. Anything else you want to add? Yeah. Obviously, I don't think anybody knows the answer to this question, but if Wentz does need to miss time, mm-hmm. do you think Eason has the stones to step up and fill that void? Um, I don't know. I don't feel great about it, but I just, I just think you got to see, dude. I think, I think you got to see, and and. That might waste games, and that might, you know, whatever. You might be drafting a little bit higher than you thought you would, but um, this guy has not played a whole lot of football in the last four or five years. So um, I think the best way to evaluate that is to throw him into the fire. And it could be costly in the win-loss, but I think it will help or could help the trajectory of your franchise a little bit more than just, hey, here is you know Nick Foles on a one-year deal, and now you're back to... Hmm, I wonder what Jacob Eason is. Yeah, that's my two cents on it. So, obviously a fluid situation, storyline that's ever-changing. Um, so we'll keep you updated. 107.5 The Fan will have all of your content throughout training camp. 
Uh, thanks for doing this, man. Yeah. How's your suntan, by the way? Uh, it's pretty farmer-like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's. Uh, oh, I got. Uh, I just checked for like the first time. I'm a great farmer's tan. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it is. It's very farmer-like there. So and I'm trying to put on put on some sunscreen and whatnot. And I was responsible today with the sunscreen. And honestly, I was not on the first day. Yeah, I got fried. And honestly, I didn't know I could produce that much sweat on the first day either. But the weather does look pretty good, temperature-wise, and I think rain-wise. Uh, moving forward. So, Courage fans, if they haven't already, I know a few of you have yelled down at me at camp. Come on out to training camp, and it's a good time to watch, I guess, Jacob Eason lead the starting offense here for X amount of days. So, we'll be back next week with another podcast. Everybody have a great weekend. He's Brandon King. I'm Kevin Bowen. Thanks for listening to Kevin's Corner.